0: Verses uh, 6 through 10, Colossians uh, chapter 2. We're continuing with our our series uh, through the book of Colossians. Follow along with me as I read the word of God. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled with him who is the head of who is the head of all rule and authority. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we come before you today and uh, we want to ask for your goodness and kindness uh, that you would be here today and be pleased to minister to us uh, through your word. I pray that you would hear uh, not my words, but that your words would be here today, uh, that that it would go forth with the power of your Holy Spirit and your kindness would Would touch us and we thank you even as we sang that these words are ancient words, but they are true And you have brought them to us through jesus christ through his work through the work of the holy spirit And through the men that the holy spirit carried along uh, To write them down every word being inspired and and breathed out by you. O god We praise you for this in your name. We pray. Amen I know that some of you Uh, like to garden, some of you like to plant flowers, Uh, some of you have been helping around the church with the flower beds and and mulching, and there are a few flowers out there that recently were moved from the the bed out front, which were redone, and some of the old flowers were put along the side of the house, uh, or along the side of the church. Uh, And I've been trying to faithfully do my duties, and, and that includes watering those flowers for For you um, and for me, I like flowers, too. But when you when you move the flowers, when we when we dug them up, we inevitably uh, cut some of the roots. Uh, Some of the roots had gone pretty deep and getting the shovel under there. We tried to save as many as we could, but but the roots are now shallow and we replanted them in good soil. uh, But they need water because the roots are shallow and need to grow. We wouldn't dream of taking those flowers and moving them somewhere where they couldn't have good soil. We wouldn't dream of moving them to a place where they can't be rooted. Flowers need as much as they need soil, as much as they need water. If their root system doesn't work, they won't get the nutrients that they have. We're in a passage of Scripture today that gives us an analogy, a word picture, if you will, to what, it, what we need to do in Christ. And that is we need to be rooted and continue to stay rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we would dream of picking up those flowers and moving them someplace where their roots cannot be anchored in good soil... Uh, We shouldn't think of moving our Christian life onto something new, something better, something other than Jesus. We need to be anchored in good soil in Jesus Christ and uh, through Jesus Christ have his word ministered to us. So as you think of moving flowers today, think of not moving yourself from Jesus Christ. And that's our our main point today is simply stay in Christ Stay in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is going to tell us just as we began in Christ, just as we believed in him and trusted in him, we need to stay anchored. We have we have put down roots, as it were, and we need to keep our roots there in Jesus Christ. So first this morning, stay in Jesus Christ, because that is where your spiritual life began. Spiritual life as a Christian begins when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we shouldn't dream of receiving Christ and then saying, now I'm going to move on to something deeper. Now I'm going to move on to something better. Rather, we stay rooted where we began. So Paul is telling us that if you've received Jesus, you and I as believers must continue to walk in him. Look with me, if you will, at verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. What did you do when you became saved? You professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You received Christ Jesus the Lord. This is what Paul is telling us. And and we need to remember as, as believers that That when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are believing in Christ Jesus, the Lord. Uh, Jesus is His name, but He has the title Christ here, which is why it's Christ Jesus. Also, He has the title Lord. He is the King of all things. Gospel, the word gospel in the ancient world meant a, a royal announcement of good news. Outside of the Bible, it was often used to announce the birth of a king. It was often used to announce the good news that a king has triumphed, maybe in a a military battle or a king has been put on the throne. And so the gospel is an announcement of salvation. It is good news to us. But a part of that announcement is that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lord, Christ Jesus, the Lord. And when a believer comes to Jesus Christ for salvation, we receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. Most basic to our profession of faith as a Christian is what? Jesus Christ is Lord. You know these verses well, I'm sure. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There are two things that go on in receiving this one salvation. There is a response in our hearts where we are believing in Jesus. We are placing all of our trust in Him. We are saying that you alone can save. But we are also publicly confessing with our mouths. We are saying in front of others, Jesus Christ is Lord. We are saying that that He is God That He is the God of the the Old Testament. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this title, Lord, is, is often used to translate the name Jehovah in the Old Testament. So we are saying that Jesus is God. We are also saying Jesus is a King. He is Lord. In coming to Jesus Christ, we are acknowledging that. We are making a profession of that. We are saying as well that He is our King. We are receiving Him uh, as our Savior, as our Messiah, as Lord. Messiah, by the way, Christ is just the translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. And Messiah is the idea of the Savior of the world. It is connected to those Old Testament promises made to David. That David would have a son who would be king. Who would administer the reign and the rule of God and one day rule over the world. And Paul is saying to a bunch of Gentiles, to people who did not grow up in the synagogue, that they had received Jesus as Christ, as the Messiah, as Lord. And then we are told, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. The imagery of walking is the imagery of of behavior, of lifestyle, of of practice. Some of you, uh, more than others, I know, uh, enjoy a good walk or even a good bike ride. But when you go on a walk or, a, or even a bike ride, you need to stay on the path. You have a, a goal in mind somewhere where you are going and you need to stay faithful To the path, continuing to put one foot in front of the other until you reach the goal in the same way for those of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. We are now commissioned to walk in obedience to God. And and so we are to behave in a manner that is consistent with what we've confessed. We've said and we've received that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so now the appeal to us is walk in that way. Ephesians chapter four, verse one says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which he has called you, that God has called us as his children. He is calling us into his presence that we are are now Christians, which means, in effect, little Christs. And we are now to to be walking in a manner which is consistent with what we are professing that God has done in our lives. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, Paul was praying, and he was praying for the believers that they would, quote, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says that as believers, we were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So there is a pattern here. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ was in the grave for three days. Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And he walked around and showed himself to the disciples. He walked on the road to Emmaus. It was a new life. It was a resurrection life. So, too, as a believer, you have been put to death with Jesus. Your sins have died there on the cross and you have been raised up again into a new life. And the the statement is, we're to walk that way. In other words, we're not to go back and live in our sins. Uh, Those sins have been forgiven. They have been paid for. They have been put to death. And so now we are to go on and walk in the newness of life. You see, your spiritual life began in Jesus, right? You became alive when you got saved. And your spiritual life is now to continue in Jesus. You are to walk in Him. The patterns of your habits are to be consistent with one who says, Jesus Christ is is Lord. That's how you came to Him, and that's how you're to continue in Him. Even more, we're to continue in the faith as we were taught. So verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the believer is not one who starts with Jesus Christ and then says, well, I'm going on to bigger and better things. I'm going to discover new and deeper spiritual truths and that will walk me away from Christ. The believer is, is one who, it's like digging in your garden where you go down deeper. When we transplanted these flowers, we dug little holes for them. And, and we took one of these flowers and it came with a, a giant root system. And we dug had to dig an even deeper hole so that it could sink down in. And then we filled up the sides uh, with dirt. And now those plants are going to go down deeper than the roots had already gone. And we're, we're giving them water so that they might do that. You see, that is how your spiritual life is to be. You, you started in Jesus. And God wants you to go deeper in being rooted in Jesus. Uh, the, the way that you started by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ is the way that you continue. You grow in your trust. You grow in your reliance upon him. But you never move on from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a Christian, but I have Where sometimes as a Christian you feel like you're relearning lessons that you already know. But the Lord challenges you in a a new way. Perhaps you know that God is trustworthy. But then God walks you through a difficulty. And suddenly you really find out where the rubber hits the road. You really find out that Jesus really is trustworthy because you have to lean on him in a new way. It's kind of like when a a drought occurs in your garden. And when a drought occurs, the roots of the plants have to grow deeper. And when they grow deeper, they find refreshing water. When a struggle comes up in your Christian life, the roots need to go deeper into Jesus. And you find that refreshing water. So often we face the temptation when the struggles arise to say, is Jesus really My all in all is Jesus really all that I need is Jesus Christ going to be sufficient and 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 perhaps uh, like a plant might try to reach out and find new sources of water. Perhaps we're tempted to to dabble in other things that are outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to stay rooted in Jesus this imagery of, of being rooted, this agricultural imagery, you find it all over Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night and he will be like trees, trees planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that it does, he prospers. In John, there's the imagery where Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, and we are to stay tethered or anchored or rooted uh, in the vine. It's all over the pages of Scripture. But we only become strong in our faith. We only grow as Christians. As we continue to stay rooted in Him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 23 warns us to continue in the faith. You see, just as you believed in Jesus Christ and you received him as Lord and Savior, we are to continue in the faith lest we fall away. Chapter 1, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Deep roots in a plant or on a tree, can survive strong storms. I don't know if you've ever been in an area where where trees have been blown over, but it's always the ones that are in shallow soil with shallow roots that are knocked over the quickest. It's those trees that have burrowed down into the, the good, refreshing soil that stay strong. In the same way, it's the Christian who has... Anchored his life deep into Jesus Christ. Who has committed himself or herself to staying steadfast in the faith. To continually trust no matter what hardships come up. That is the Christian that stands through the storms of life. Is stable and steadfast. Not shifting around from the hope that we find in Jesus that comes to us in the gospel. And then in verse 8, we are to stay away from what is not according to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8 with me, if you will. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So on the one hand, it is stay in Christ as you have received him, walk in him. On the other hand, it's the warning that it's don't go over here. Don't go into those things that aren't according to Jesus Christ. Those other philosophies, those other religions, those other forms of belief. Even, particularly in our day and age, those subtle forms that want to mix Jesus Christ with other kinds of practices or other kinds of beliefs. You think here of of taking someone captive and you you think almost of the imagery in your mind of of a highway robber who comes upon someone and assaults them and and jumps them and and takes their money and then binds them up and leads them off. In the ancient world, if you traveled on a road, you had to worry about being taken captive, perhaps even sold into slavery. And we're to see that no one takes us captive by by coming to us and saying, you know, that Jesus is a really good guy, but but let me help you find something that will take you even deeper something even better. You know, the church has believed in Jesus for 2,000 years, but you know what? There's a better way of trusting Him now that I've discovered. Those are the signs of someone trying to lure you, someone trying to to tempt you, to trick you. We're to remember from chapter 2, we looked at last week, verse 3, that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. And so someone comes with a philosophy, with a religion, with a set of rules or another kind of belief that leads you away from Christ. That says the wisdom that you need isn't just found in Christ. It's found in what I have to teach you. We're to be warned that these things are empty and deceitful. Obviously, when something is deceitful, it's a lie. And Paul has reminded us in chapter one, verses five and six, that the gospel is the truth, that we heard the word of truth in the gospel, that we came and we understood, quote, the grace of God in truth. Even more, what what false teachers are peddling is empty. It has no value. You know, Jesus warns us as well against things that are according to human traditions The Pharisees, at one occasion, in Mark chapter 7, they got all worked up because Jesus' disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. Uh, I hope in your home your moms probably tell you to wash your hands before you eat. Uh, There's nothing wrong. It's a good thing to wash your hands before you eat. When our kids pet the dog and then they come to the dinner table, we tell them, go wash your hands before you eat. But the Pharisees had created this ceremonial approach to washing your hands. It really wasn't about good hygiene. It was about saying you're further along in your spiritual life. You're you're more mature. You're practicing not just the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, but all of these extra things that they piled on top. It was like putting an extra fence to say, not only are you keeping God's word, but you're going above and beyond. And they started to mark spiritual maturity by these things. And so they, they, they flipped out. They, they had a cow when they found out the disciples were not washing their hands. Oh, my gosh, they're not good. They're not, they're not spiritual like we are. Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. We are not to to erect human traditions that become ways of saying this is how we know if we're really following Jesus or really following God. We are to stick to the word of God. This is what what legalism often does. It it subtly over time uh, interjects rules And, and it's not about then over time. It's not about walking with Christ. It's about saying, do I keep these rules and they become rules that aren't found in the Bible. And then keeping these rules that are not found in the Bible becomes more important than actually sticking to what the Bible says. And suddenly you get to a point in your spiritual life where you you can't drink caffeine because, you know, caffeine might might lead to, um, I don't know, getting addicted to caffeine. And then you might try hard drugs or, you know, we, we start with all these rules and and the rules pile up and suddenly you can't uh, step on a crack on a sidewalk where the Pharisees had a rule that that you could not untie your donkey on the Sabbath with two hands because that would be work. But if you use one hand uh, that that wasn't work. Um, it gets silly after a point. Whatever the Colossians were facing, we see it in chapter 2, verse 21. They were encountering rules that were do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Uh, There was actually recently a preacher, and the, the clip went around on YouTube who who said that believers shouldn't eat seafood because it's in the Old Testament law. And then he went on to a long statement about how lobster is actually unhealthy for you, and this is why it's unhealthy. And and he started uh, to misapply the Old Testament and then add all these rules. I am so glad the rules do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch, do not apply to us, particularly when it comes to lobster, because I enjoy a good lobster. But you get the idea of what happens your, your heart is pulled away from Jesus. And then even sometimes in the church, we we get competitive over who's keeping what rules, who's more spiritual than other person because of how they obey the rules that are made by man. Even more, Paul says, uh, let no one take you captive to the elemental spirits of the world. Uh, we could go into some a lot of background material into what this may or may not mean. I'm going to try to, to boil it down. It could be one of two things. Elemental spirits could be a way of referring to angels, uh, either fallen angels or real angels. And we know that, that in the Judaism of the time, in certain uh, sects of it, they had various beliefs about angels, and angels could help them uh, ascend to heaven in their spiritual devotional life. They could actually believe they could see into heaven. And so it might be referring to the worship of angels or the veneration or acknowledgement of angelic beings in some kind of worship service. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 2.18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, which is the denial of the body, and the worship of angels. Uh, So it could be that. The other option is sometimes the the word means elementary principles, uh, certain things that make up the world. Uh, We know how the world works today with molecules and molecules are the building blocks of all things. It could be referring to things like that. Things like the stars and the sun and the moon were often called the elemental principles of the world. And so we know in the ancient world that people would, much like today when people read their horoscopes, they would look for spiritual wisdom and, and spiritual advice based on the phases of the moon or based on the way the stars were moving. Sometimes people in Paul's time even perverted uh, the Old Testament feasts and festivals in Judaism and relied not on God, but on what the stars in the heavens were doing. And Paul warns in chapter 2, verse 16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on the question of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So there was some kind of a mystical, spiritual element creeping in to the Colossian church, or they were at the very least being tempted by it. And it is the very thing that we today need to avoid. We might not face it in all the same forms that that Paul faced it, but we need to be wary of anyone today who shows us a new way to grow close to God or to Jesus that is not found in the word of God. The one danger the church always faces is legalism. The other danger that I think is becoming more prevalent today is a form of spirituality that relies on mysticism. Uh, We talk in scripture, uh, the Bible talks about meditating on God's word. That's where you take the word of God, you read a section of it, and you think about it. You you maybe repeat it over in your mind, not as some sort of seance, but as a I want to know and think about what this word says. But we live in a day and age where there are other types of meditation out there where where you pick a phrase and you mindlessly repeat it. And some people want to use scripture in that way, that it becomes almost a a magical phrase that you just say over and over again. In some forms of meditation, meditation means to to empty your mind of everything, to think about nothing. And and some fake religions uh, believe that you can actually enter into the presence of the divine and touch it in that way. We need to be wary of people who start and say, well, you've received Jesus. Now use some of these practices to grow in your spiritual life you will not grow. Having started in Christ, you will not grow if you try to move on to other things. These things are empty. These traditions of men, these fake religions, these relying on other things to connect with the divine. There are two things that that God has given us that that are physical reminders of what He has done for us. Baptism, And the Lord's Supper. Outside of that, adding other forms can become the tradition of men. And so you go to some churches and they have uh, symbols or they have incense that you need to burn. And that's considered spiritual. But these things are not the way God would have us to grow. You have today, even in the evangelical world, a sort of approach to the Christian life that's do not touch, do not eat. There's uh, marketing schemes like the Daniel plan that give you diets. And this will help you draw closer to God. Some of them are just good health practices, and there's nothing wrong with that. But be careful when anyone starts to say to you, if you eat this or don't eat that, you will grow closer to God in your spiritual life. It's like Paul was facing. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. Finally, we need to be a people who stick to what we were taught in Scripture. That's what Paul tells us in verse 7. We've been given the truth. We've been given the Word of God. We need to stick to it and not get bored with it and say, well, we've had this for 2,000 years. What are some things that I can add now that will spice this up, which will make it more exciting? We need to stay in Jesus Christ. The second and third point this morning are stay in Jesus. And we're going to talk about who Jesus is second this morning. Stay in Jesus Christ because he is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Look at verse nine. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This relates to chapter one, verse 19. And and we're jumping around a lot today, but all of these things connect in the word of God. Verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The Son of God, the eternal Son who shares completely in the divine nature of what it means to be God. He comes down and he takes on true humanity. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that he shares in the flesh and blood partaking of the same things. In other words, I am, I am a human being of flesh and blood. Uh, you know the Shakespeare line, if, if you prick us, do we not bleed? If you prick me, I will bleed. If you pinch me, I have flesh. Jesus Christ, without, stopping to be the, without ceasing to be the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ took on Himself true humanity. You could pinch his skin. You could poke him and he would bleed. If you had an x-ray, you could take an x-ray or an MRI of him. And he had everything that a human being has. And yet he was truly God the Son. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word dwelt among us could be translated tabernacled among us. You remember how in the Old Testament there was the tabernacle? Remember how the glory of God, that great cloud, the Shekinah glory, would would come down and it would take up residence inside that tabernacle and everybody knew that God was with his people because that glory was in the temple. With Jesus Christ, everybody knew that He was truly God because that glory was with us in a human body. When you saw Jesus, you saw God. And that moment where He took the disciples up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, He gave them just a picture of that glory as it shined through His humanity. He was truly God and truly man. And so Paul says in verse 9 again, for in Him the whole fullness of deity, that, that fullness of the glory of God that would, that would fill the temple, it, it filled that human body so that God was present walking around the Son of God in human flesh. You see, we can't get to God there are a lot of people out there today that use meditation, that use mystic techniques, that, that even you know in days gone by and maybe even today try to use drugs to, to get to God, to experience God. But we can't do it. God had to come down to us. Jesus Christ is the presence of God who came to earth. Why would you want to start with Christ and say Jesus is God in the flesh and then go on to to some other religion and say, I don't need Jesus to be my mediator. I don't need Jesus in the flesh. I can use some sort of mystical technique and I can get to heaven and I can see God. The big hope that people have in the world today is to know god and know if he is real and they use all kinds of other false religions to do that they use all kinds of philosophies deception all kinds of meditation all kinds of eastern new age stuff that is becoming popular and here we have the truth that god came to us scripture says in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In Colossians 1.20, Paul says, And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile him to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, Jesus Christ is that mediator. I can't go up to God. I shouldn't ever buy into practices that say I can go up to God if I just do this or do that. But God has come down to me in the person of Jesus Christ. And if God has come down to me and you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, won't you please stay in that? Stay grounded in that. Recognize again afresh that, that that in my life, I don't have the power in and of myself to draw close to God. But God has come close to me and made peace through the blood of the cross. And as the Holy Spirit works in my heart, I I am assured that my prayers are heard before God, that my prayers actually do go up into heaven before the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And now He has returned to heaven in a resurrection body where He is interceding for me. Jesus, the Son of God, became man to bridge the gap between God and man. And we need to stick to that. Third, this morning, stay in Christ because He is in you. Look at verse 10. You've been filled with Christ. So verse 10 says, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. So so Paul uses the idea of filling here in two different ways, and and we dare not confuse the ways. First, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in the flesh. But then, in a second way, when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord, Jesus comes into my heart. The whole purpose of salvation is that God is is filling us with Christ. We begin to bear the image of Christ. And we talked about this when we looked at chapter 1, verse 27. The hope of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. So we are not going to get a deeper communion with God, with Jesus, outside of the Gospel. You're not going to get deeper communion with Jesus by adding a bunch of man-made rules. You're not going to get deeper communion by relying on other spiritual beings or, or Eastern meditation practices or trying to combine those with the Christian faith. You're not going to get deeper communion with Jesus by denying the body like a medieval monk. Paul warns later on about that kind of asceticism. How do I grow? What is God doing? Paul says this, but I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what's happening in the gospel. Christ is being formed and fashioned in you. On the one hand, he dwells in heaven with a resurrection body. Jesus is God in the flesh. In another way, spiritually, His presence now is with us. You have a sweet communion with Jesus Christ because you've received Him as your Lord and Savior. The life you now live, Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Then Paul ends in Colossians 2, verse 10, reminding us that Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. It's a reminder to us that anything out there that we might seek to follow, a spiritual authority, another king, whether an earthly king or a spiritual king, uh, whether an idol or a different religion, uh, anything out there is already under the authority of Jesus. So if these Colossians were worshipping angels, or they were seeing people that were worshipping angels, or demons, or false angels, or whatever it might have been, Jesus was already the head of those things. If you follow a man-made religion, and you use these rules, and you listen to the authority of that man, Jesus is the boss of that man. Whether or not the man acknowledges it, Even if the man is leading you astray, Jesus is a greater authority than anything that exists here on earth. So kind of the question to us is, why would I follow all those things when I can follow the one who is the Lord of all those things? Do you really believe that Jesus is even the Lord over his enemies? That Jesus is the Lord over false religions? and and even a false religion that is leading people astray is one day going to be crushed by the lordship of Jesus Christ, don't be led astray by those things that will be brought to bow their knee to Jesus. Instead, bow your knee right to Jesus. Nothing rivals Jesus Christ. We want you to stay in Christ Because of how precious He is. That He has an authority over all, but He has a deep love for you as His child. Who is like Him in this power and this glory and this majesty? And then that He would have this plan to come down to earth to save us. To say that our sins separate us from God and then for the Son of God to say, but I want these people to know God. So I will come and I will make peace through the blood of of our Savior. Think about this. Do you know Jesus Christ? We live in a day and age where many people claim to know him. Have you received him as Savior and as Lord? If you know Christ, think about this. How is it that you got saved? You heard the Word, either through a preacher or someone sharing their testimony, or maybe you read a tract, but something about the Word of God or from the Word of God got to you. And it opened your eyes, and you received Jesus. That same way that you came to Jesus, the Word of God, being active through the Holy Spirit, is the same way that God has spiritual growth for you. You walk in Him. You continue in Him. You feed yourself through His Word. Or you are fed His Word by coming to church and you communicate with Him by talking to Him with prayer. But the same way you began is how you continued. You received Him. Walk in Him want to finish with just a reminder that, that today in our world, old methods that are traditions of man are becoming popular even in the evangelical church. There are books out there. There are churches out there that, that are not sticking to the word of God and saying you've received Jesus, stay in him. But they're using other things. It's becoming popular now to rely on liturgies or, or things like the stations of the cross, which are images of Jesus on the cross, and you walk around and you look at them and you meditate on them. There's nothing wrong with thinking about what Jesus has done. But we need to be really careful that we don't take something man-made and put it between us and God and say, this will help you get closer to God. I don't know if you've ever heard of what a labyrinth is. It's kind of a little diagram that, that it's like a circle. with It almost looks like a maze. And, and the idea of a labyrinth, and it, it actually has roots in, in ancient, I think it's medieval Catholicism. And, and you, you walk along these paths, and you're to meditate at, at various stages. And, and there are people that, that find this attractive and, and so churches, even churches that are evangelical and say they have the gospel will start to to find these things appealing and say, you know, we, we get bored every week with preaching and praying and singing and and, and we need to, to spice up our spiritual lives. Let's go out and make a labyrinth in the parking lot and we'll, after church, we'll go and walk this prayer pattern. And there's nothing wrong with prayer. And there's nothing wrong with walking when you pray. I like to take walks, and I like to pray while I walk. It helps my mind think. But when you start to add these things as practices and say, this will help you grow closer to God, you are subtly having started with Christ. You're walking away and using things in your spiritual life that aren't according to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants His Word to be active in you. He wants His Spirit to be active in you. And the Spirit uses the Word. But don't be led astray by empty philosophies, by rules of men, by other religions. The practices of other religions, trying to bring them over into the church, are not harmless spiritual practices. They lead us away from the things that are not according to Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would help us to stay grounded in our faith, that we would be encouraged to draw near to you, And trust you and trust the work that Jesus does in our midst through the preaching of the word, through the singing of praises, through celebrating the Lord's Supper as we will celebrate next week. Lord, you have given us those things uh, to do in your church. May we not be led astray by empty deceptions, by traditions of men. In your name we pray. Amen.